Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we'll review the sports business headlines of the week. There's plenty of them. In segment three, we're going to give you an NCAA tournament recap. Talk about the TV numbers, March Madness on demand, how those numbers stacked up. And then we're also going to discuss the future of the tournament on TV. That's been a big topic. That's coming up in segment three. In segment four, Tiger Woods has returned to the golf course at Augusta National. He held a press conference this week. He answered questions about his future as a product pitch person. Nike Golf launched a golf ad around Tiger's return. And Augusta National Chairman Billy Payne had some critical words for Tiger's indiscretions off the golf course. We'll talk about that in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Click on the links to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. My Twitter handle, at SB Radio. I'm joined in studio by Bobby Corser. Bobby, congratulations are in order. David Marsh, who's the head of food and beverage operations at the Nines Hotel here in Portland, Oregon overseas departure, an urban farmer. He correctly picked Duke to win the NCAA championship, and uh, he won our Sports Business Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge for winning. I'm going to be taking David to a Blazers game this week, taking him to dinner, not at one of his restaurants, and uh, he gets to spend an evening with me. Some people would say that's losing, but... uh, I think he's looking forward to the evening. Yeah, Brian Berger, high roller. There's no losing situation there. That's all i got to say. <laughs> We're going to go see uh, OKC. Kevin Durant, Jeff Green and company take on the Blazers. Uh, that'll be a good game. Always good to take in an NBA game. And David's a big sports fan. So uh, looking forward to spending the evening with David Marsh. Again, congratulations to him. Thanks to everybody who participated in the Sports Business Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge. All right. Headlines coming up, lots of them. The face of a sports franchise changes addresses. We'll tell you about that. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, 
passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments have concluded. Duke defeated Butler in a thrilling men's championship game. And UConn extended their win streak to 78 games. They beat Stanford in the women's title game. We'll have more March Madness numbers for you and discuss the future of the men's tournament on TV coming up in our next segment. Headline number two, the Masters is underway. It's been a big week for Tiger Woods as he's returned to the golf course. We'll discuss some of the comments he made in his press conference, his new ad with Nike Golf, and comments made by Augusta National Chair Billy Payne. That's coming up in segment Four. One interesting note, though, Bobby, K.J. Choi and Matt Kuchar were paired with Tiger Woods on Thursday. There were experts out there that estimated that Kuchar and Choi would receive $1.35 million worth of ad exposure for their sponsors based on the camera time they'd get from their pairing with Tiger Woods. Interesting. It is interesting, but you know what? Listen, good for both guys because Tiger's played with both guys. Tiger has beaten both guys, but I really feel that, you know, that pairing was not necessarily a fair draw, but more of a draw to make sure that Tiger felt comfortable on the course and not immediately throw him in with somebody that he necessarily would butt heads with the first day. Right. Now, the good news for the PGA Tour and for the golfers on the tour, and this is why we're seeing So many of the golfers say how happy they are that Tiger Woods is returning to the golf course, despite what he did off of the golf course. Before Tiger Woods joined the PGA Tour, there was roughly $66 million in prize money. Now, there's over $275 million in prize money. Tiger is the goose that laid the golden egg. The players know that if Tiger's not on the golf course, Eventually, purses are going to go down. They need him back out there. It's good for TV ratings, which I expect to be through the roof. I bet you ESPN does the best ratings they've done for golf ever. And many people think that Sunday, uh, if Tiger is in the final pairing or the final two pairings on Sunday, that the ratings for CBS will be the best they've ever been for the Masters. 43 million people tuned in in 1997 to watch the Masters when Tiger won his first green jacket. I expect that number to be at $50 million if Tiger's in the mix. But I'll tell you, the guy who's laying in the weeds on this tournament and is finished in the top 10 for 10 of the last 11 years, nobody's talking about him, Phil Mickelson. I expect Phil to have a big weekend, but uh, we'll see. Phil could get the third green jacket, you know, to add to his closet. But listen, if you are CBS and ESPN, you are absolutely loving the fact that you guys have clearance to air all the stuff live. And ESPN, you know, I kind of feel bad for him because of the time that Tigers teed off on, you know, teed off earlier this week because they had to cut away an early sports center program to show his tee shot. And then eventually once they kind of got into coverage, they were able to show some live stuff. But still, people are tuning in regardless to even see Sports Center just to see Tigers' first tee shot. And you and I both know ESPN will play that shot over and over and over and over again. Right. And the reason the audience is going to be so big for this tournament is because your grandma 
the person who didn't really pay attention to Tiger Woods before is now engaged after all this drama and wants to see how is this going to turn out. So the casual fan is tuning in in addition to the hardcore sports fan. That is a recipe for big ratings. Our next headline. This is what's wrong with college basketball. Five, yes, five players from the University of Kentucky have declared for the NBA draft, including John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins, both freshmen. John Calipari, good luck next year. I know you're going to have a good freshman class again, but this is why for the big programs, when you get the blue chip players, the cream of the crop players, they're probably one and done. We've seen it with Derrick Rose. We've seen it with other players. Now it's John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. The other big name to declare for the NBA draft this week is player of the year, Evan Turner. He's a junior from Ohio State, 6'7 point guard. He's expected to be a top three pick. Basically, teams are going to decide, I think, between Evan Turner and John Wall for the top pick. But again, you know, when you're, when you're the University of Kentucky and you're basically losing your starting five all at once to the NBA draft, wow. That's uh, that's some serious rebuilding to do. No, and you know, but I got a feeling that Coach Calipari won't have any real trouble in making a serious rebuilding effort because people want to come play for him. People want to come play for Kentucky, and if they keep seeing on a consistent basis that their players are drafted high in the NFL, that's where they're going to go. Right? You mean the NBA? Yeah. Sorry. But the thing is, that's going to be interesting. Is we saw Butler get to the finals this year. The kid that's recruited to go to Butler and the mid majors is more likely to stick around for four years, or at least three years. The kids that are recruited to Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina, those are the kids that are most likely one or two and done. So when John Calipari, when uh, Roy Williams, when Mike Krzyzewski recruit players to their school, they know, look, I'm going to be lucky to get this guy for one or two years. That's why in the future, it will be interesting to see, will we see more butlers emerge in the tournament because those are more seasoned basketball teams with kids who have stuck around for three or four years. Our next headline, New Orleans Hornets owner George Shin, who has battled cancer. He might be considering selling his majority share in the team that he's controlled since the club's inception in 1998. This is according to the New Orleans Times-Picayune this week. Now, uh, the Hornets obviously have had challenges since Hurricane Katrina. They have a big payroll. They had to make a number of trades in order to get below the uh, luxury tax threshold this year. But this will be interesting. We just saw Michael Jordan buy the Bobcats. Could the Hornets be on the market? I think depending on how the NBA collective bargaining agreement turns out for the owners, we could see more and more teams sold to new owners. And speaking of new owners, try this one on. We all know about Mikel Prokhorov, the guy who's going to be the new owner for the New Jersey Nets. He reportedly has offered Coach K 12 to $15 million a year, Bobby, Now, I heard Coach K interviewed on ESPN this week. And, uh, by the way, this is according to the Bergen record. Um, Coach K said he's not been approached about the job officially. But, you know, here's the dilemma. 
That's enormous money. I mean, enormous money. Coach K has been at Duke for 30 years. He's done everything you can do at Duke. He's won four titles there. He's in the same breath as John Wooden and, and other great coaches. Do you take the money and look for your next challenge, or do you stay at Duke where you're king, where you probably don't pay for your mortgage on your house, where you never pay for a dinner, where you play all the golf you want, and retire and ride off into the sunset as the guy who stayed at Duke for 35, 40 years? What do you do, Bobby? I, I stay at Duke. I really do. I mean, listen, he. but the, other, the reason why I say that is he knows the NBA game. He knows the NBA players when he coaches Team USA. He gets that. He understands that. But I have a feeling he's one of those coaches that really enjoys working with a student athlete. He really enjoys, you know, being able to kind of mold and sculpt and kind of transform a player from a raw talent into an NBA ready thing. And I think once you make that jump from college to NBA coach, I don't I think you lose a lot of touch because I think it instead becomes about the basketball, it becomes about the money and the fame and all that. And there's not really that hands-on teaching. I think the teaching is what he really loves. Yeah, I would agree. And I think you know, the NBA is a cutthroat business, and despite how much money they pay him, I don't know that he's going to make that jump. I don't think he does. Our last headline of the week, Donovan McNabb, the face of the Philadelphia Eagles franchise for the last decade, was traded to the division rival Washington Redskins this week for a second-round pick. Big trade. Uh, McNabb obviously isn't what he used to be, but he's still a very recognizable, marketable quarterback who's going to sell a lot of tickets in Washington. Many, many tickets sold after that trade was announced. Gives instant credibility to that franchise. Good guy in the locker room. Really good guy in the community. I think that's a boost to the brand of the Washington Redskins. And on the flip side, the Eagles, they've gotten rid of Brian Westbrook and now... uh, Donovan McNabb, they're kind of looking for a face of their franchise moving forward. All right, coming up next, we're going to break down the numbers for the NCAA tournament. We'll give you the TV ratings. We'll tell you about March Madness on demand, how many people watched on TV. We're going to talk about the future of the NCAA tournament on TV. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and we want to spend this segment recapping March Madness, specifically the NCAA Men's Basketball Championships. We had Greg Shaheen, who's in charge of running the tournament on our show a few weeks ago, talked about that, and we'll get to him in a minute because he's got an enormous decision to make by the end of August. But let's talk about 
the Final Four. First of all, the ratings for the semifinal games on Saturday night were up 7% from last year. So that's good news on CBS. But then the Duke-Butler game on Monday night. There were a lot of people that have always wondered, you know, if you have David and Goliath, is it better than having two Goliaths? You know, is it better to have Duke-Michigan State or Duke-North Carolina or Duke in a Cinderella? Butler, even though they were ranked in the top 20 before the season, most people would consider them a Cinderella in this tournament. A lot of people polling for them, got to know them as a team as the tournament went on, got to know Hayward, got to know Stevens, their coach. Um, It was a recipe for enormous TV ratings. A 16.0, that's up 34% from the previous year's championship game between North Carolina and Michigan State. CNBC's Darren Ravel reported that the numbers outrated every baseball game since 2004 and every NBA game since 2002. These are enormous numbers. Essentially, Bobby, this was half of a Super Bowl. So, you know, a Super Bowl is going to get you a 32, 33, 34 as far as a rating. But these were really big numbers for CBS. So, you know, it was a thrilling game. But people tuned in. Duke, obviously, a household name, big program. Coach K, most recognizable coach in America. Uh, And then... Cinderella, again, big, big TV numbers for CBS. And Butler was really the team that drew in the common fan. Even if you did not like college basketball, you still tuned in because you had heard, you know, hometown team, again, for the second straight year, essentially, they have a chance to go in and beat Duke. And, you know, I really think that's what the draw was for the tournament. I really do. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I was rooting for Butler the entire way because, you know, you're rooting for the underdog. But with 13 seconds left, when Butler's down one and they call timeout, if you're not having Hoosiers flashbacks and thinking that Hayward's in the huddle saying to Coach Stevens, I can make it. I can make it. Just like Jimmy Chitwood in Hoosiers. I mean, very rarely does life imitate art. We were looking at that. And Hayward almost makes that shot. Then at the end of the game, he almost drains a half-court shot to win it. If he makes that shot, it's the greatest shot in the history of NCAA basketball. Maybe one of the greatest shots in the history of basketball, period, Bobby. You might have seen that place literally explode. Lucas Oil Stadium would have gone absolute berserk if he would have hit it. And you know what? Listen, half an inch, maybe a full inch, a little bit closer to the hoop. That ball's in. Game over. Butler wins. But, you know, you couldn't have asked for a better finish to a great basketball game than that. So Coach K gets his fourth national championship, and it's going to be interesting. We told you in the last segment, Coach K reportedly is going to be offered, you know, just enormous money, 12 to $15 million a year to coach the New Jersey Nets. We don't think he's going anywhere. But the guy that's even more interesting is Butler coach Brad Stevens. He's 33 years old. He makes $400,000 a year right now. I would say he's either in line for a hefty, raise at Butler, and he's already gotten raises in the last few years, but I think they got to bump him up to at least a million, at least, to keep him, or 
you know, he's been linked to the Oregon job and to other jobs. Someone's going to come along and say, we want this guy, 33 years old, who just took Cinderella to the ball to become our head coach. He's a well-spoken guy. He's a good-looking guy. Great for the brand of your team. I think Brad Stevens is in line for a big payday. His dilemma is this. A, he's got most of his players returning. So he's got a lot of good players coming back. He could get to the finals again. He could even win it. Or if you have a guy get injured or not, I mean, do you take the big money now? What if it's not there a year from now? He's got a lot of thinking to do, but I'd be shocked if he's not making considerably more money a year from now than he is right now, that $400,000. No, I completely agree. And I really think, though, that the incentive package is what really puts it over the top for most coaches. Sure, he's going to get a bump in base salary. I mean, he deserves it. He really does. You took your team to the national title as a mid-major, and I know he hates that term, mid-major, but they got to in, you know, put in a bunch of incentives here. you got to make more money for making the tournament again next year. you got to make more money for winning your conference tournament. they got to throw in a car. they got to throw in a golf deal. they got to throw in something to really make him stay, and I think that's what the bigger schools have the advantage of because they can offer more things, but I think he stays a butler. So the Butler donors are going to have to step up to the plate big time because that's where that money is going to come from if they're going to be able to compete with Pac-10 schools, Big East schools, ACC schools, whoever may come along and try and steal Brad Stevens from Butler. All right, let's talk about the March Madness on-demand numbers. Many people think, and I would agree with this, the NCAA tournament is really the gold standard for online streaming video. Masters, pretty good. There's some other events out there. But if you want to tune in and watch the event online when you're at work in the early rounds or on your iPhone, March Madness on Demand is really, really good. And the technology has gotten better every year. This year, they drew 8.3 million unique users. That's up 10.4% from last year. This according to the Sports Business Journal. Um So those numbers are really good. There's some interesting, funny numbers here. The boss button, which was Dilbert-themed for the first time, was clicked a total of 3.94 million times. That's nearly 1.2 million more than last year. Now, 575,000 people watched the Duke-Butler game online. So that's a big audience. That's up, uh, what was it? about 10% from last year's numbers for the title game online. So, again, you know, one of the things that CBS has done well and what they've tried to do with their sponsors is, okay, you can advertise on TV, you can advertise online. So you're getting cross-platforms. You're getting both platforms here, and sponsors have liked that. And what's going to be interesting, and we're going to get to this in a minute, I don't know that CBS is going to be doing the tournament anymore. So if this goes to another network, will the network be able to deliver online like CBS has done thus far and in the last two years or last few years? Because it's really grown online. The audience has grown exponentially from year to year. No, it totally has. And the nice thing about this year is there was no more wait line. There was no more VIP you know, sign up. It was, log on, you're going to get the games you want right away. Don't really have to wait. Bandwidth looks great. The funny thing is here, if for some reason, and we will cover this in a minute, if it goes to say ESPN, ESPN's online 
you know, Advantage, which is now ESPN3.com, you have to have a certain cable provider to access that. That, I think, will really hamper any type of massive influence if that isn't true in the case when they get it, if they get it next year. So let's talk about the future of the tournament on TV because this is really interesting. Number one, it's almost a foregone conclusion, as we told you last week, that the tournament field is going to expand from 65 teams to 96 teams. That cat's been let out of the bag, so to speak, by Big Ten Commissioner Jim Delaney. The reason it would expand most likely is because if you have more games on TV, you can ask for a bigger rights fee. What's the current deal? The current deal is that the NCAA and CBS, they're in the midst of their 11-year, $6 billion deal. But the deal is backloaded. There's three years left on the deal, but there's $2 billion left on the deal. So CBS owes the NCAA roughly $700 million a year for the three remaining years on the deal. At that number, it's going to be hard for CBS to make money unless they do some different things. I think the NCAA is going to opt out of the deal before the August 31st deadline. Why? For a number of reasons, but these are the main ones. Number one, you have to look at the landscape of the rights fees deals that are coming up. And you've got several deals that are coming up. Number one is the TV deals for Major League Baseball and the NFL could potentially expire before 2013. And networks could spend their money and the NCAA wouldn't have nearly the leverage that they have right now when networks have that money in their pocket. The other thing is we've got Rights for the Olympics coming up after the 2012 Olympics. So if they wait until 2013, the chances are that the network money, while it may not be completely dried up, it's going to be leveraged in other ways, and there's not going to be nearly the money that's available if they opt out by August 31st. Now, ESPN has the rights to the BCS starting this year. And ESPN has been rumored for a long time to want to get in on March Madness. Now, here's another thing for CBS. If CB if the field expands to 96 teams, CBS if they cut into their primetime programming to show the early rounds of the tournament, they're going to lose money cuz their primetime programming makes them a lot of money. If ESPN were to show those games, their primetime programming doesn't generate nearly as much money as CBS's. As a matter of fact, they make a lot more money showing these games on TV in primetime than they do if they don't. So for a lot of reasons, I think ESPN is probably going to aggressively pursue these rights. Now, the problem is, is that it goes back to what we were just talking about. What does this mean for the online streaming video component of the tournament? Because like you said, Bobby, I don't think ESPN3 is nearly as well equipped as March Madness On Demand has been to show this. Does it mean advertisers, if it's not as strong as what we've seen with March Madness On Demand, aren't going to be 
is likely to advertise. Probably, if the technology is not as good, people are having a hard time getting online. They have to uh, subscribe to certain services to be able to get that access to stream ESPN3's video. There's a lot of challenges there. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because there's so many different things in play, as we've discussed in the last few minutes. Lots of things to consider, but I think what it's going to come down to is this. CBS can still do the games, but only if they partner with a TNT or someone like that who can do the early round games because they cannot afford the additional games that would cut into their prime time programming. I think in that case, they're losing money on this deal. But ESPN is probably going to aggressively going to go after this, right? They're going to offer a multi-year, multi-billion dollar deal, and then they would really own the marquee events in college athletics, the BCS and March Madness. And I think that's what they ultimately want. No, and you know what? They are, ESPN is the worldwide leader in sports. There's no way around it. I mean, face it, they have the big marquee for the most part. The one thing they don't have is the NCAA tournament. But I really think ESPN3 and that technology will be the one thing that I really think kind of holds up any serious negotiation. ESPN throw all the cash that they want it. But if you can't access it online to watch at work or watch at home, if for some reason you don't have access to ESPN, I think that's one that could be the big deal breaker. I really do. Well, the NCAA, if they're smart, what they're going to do is they're going to say, look, if we're going to give you the rights to this tournament, you better show us that you can do every bit the job that March Madness On Demand and CBSSports.com has done with the streaming video. Better be easy. Better be attractive to our sponsors. Because if it's not, then that's going to play a big part in our decision, and you know maybe they go with CBS and probably TNT. Again, CBS cannot take on a 96-field tournament on their own. It's too expensive for their primetime programming, which generates a lot of money for their network. It'll be interesting to see how this turns out. I'm sure we'll watch. Bobby, before we wrap this segment up, I know you're very heated about one shining moment and Jennifer Hudson doing it, uh, give me your thoughts. You know, we had the discussion early before we had actually seen the piece. Right. You know, hey, it'd be cool. You know, okay, so, you know, Luther Vandross has passed on, rest his soul. And, you know, okay, Jennifer Hudson's popular, so it's cool. And she's got a great voice. And she's got a great voice. But I will tell you this right now. Hands down, that was the worst singing performance I've ever seen on TV in accordance with one shining moment. I didn't see enough of the tournament. It was all about Jennifer Hudson. Okay, her- so so let me interrupt. If Jennifer Hudson's got a great voice, I think she did a great rendition of One Shining Moment. The problem was that the producers who put together One Shining Moment, they showed too much Jennifer Hudson and not enough highlights from the tournament. If there were more highlights from the tournament with her voice behind singing One Shining Moment, would you be okay with that? No, I wouldn't be. Wow. And I'll tell you this right now. I woke up the next morning, and I'm not lying. In my head, having one shining moment playing over and over again, it's Luther Vandross still singing it. It's not Jennifer Hudson. I don't care who they really have singing it, but Vandross's rendition is the staple. I understand he's been gone for five years. Yes, they want a fresh one. That's fine. But, guys, do not change something that's not broken. There was no reason to change it. And that is exactly what people are saying about expanding the field for the tournament. It's not broken. Don't fix it. Leave Luther Vandross alone and leave 65 teams as they are. Doesn't look like either one's going to happen. And again, as I said on the show last week, if the NCAA should be focused on anything, it should be changing the college football postseason 
and not the college basketball postseason. The other thing this will do, and then I'm going to shut up about this and we're going to move on to our next segment. If they expand to 96 teams, it is going to make the college basketball regular season irrelevant. Irrelevant. Because almost everybody is going to get in to the NCAA tournament. And if you don't get in and you're a coach, you better pack your bags because you're on your way out the door. All right, coming up next, Tiger Woods returns to the golf course this week. He had a press conference. We saw a new ad with Nike Golf Break. And Augusta National Chairman Billy Payne had critical comments about Tiger. We're going to discuss that all coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what's, or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. We are back, and in this segment, we are going to discuss Tiger Woods. Now, I'm going to say, some of you have emailed me and said, you know what, enough. I don't want to talk about Tiger Woods anymore. Others have said, keep talking about it. It's the biggest sports business story we've seen in a decade. I'm going to keep talking about it because this is a guy who has been paid $100 million a year, more than any other athlete in the history of sports, and he's returning to the golf course this week. And he did a few big things this week. Number one, on Monday, he had his first press conference since... His ordeal unfolded last November. And Tiger sat and addressed the media for 30 minutes. And I'll tell you this right now. I'm a PR person when I'm not hosting this show. If Tiger Woods had held a press conference in January or February and gotten out in front of this, I think a lot of the problems and criticism and scrutiny that he has faced would not have existed and would have gone away. Tiger, on Monday, looked much more comfortable, much more at ease than he did in his State of the Union address that he had, his press conference, that awkward press conference with the blue drape behind him, with a few select people in the room and the hug with his mom at the end. We saw a different Tiger on Monday. And... We'll get to this in a minute, but we are now being sold contrite Tiger. It's contrite Tiger. And that's how his existing sponsors are going to continue to force feed us is contrite Tiger. There were a few interesting things that Tiger said during the press conference on Monday. One, 
that we've talked about a lot on this show is what is Tiger Woods' future as a pitch person. We've talked about how Accenture has dropped him. Gatorade has dropped him. Gillette has reduced his role. When Tiger was asked about being a pitch person, if he understood why companies like Accenture and Gatorade dropped him, here was his answer. I totally understand why they would do that. And hopefully I can prove to the other companies going forward that I am a a worthy investment. Right answer, Tiger. That was not aloof, Tiger. That was realistic, Tiger. That was contrite, Tiger. If Tiger had come out and said, you know what? Screw all those sponsors that dropped me. I'm going to show them. Or he had shown any animosity towards those sponsors that dropped him. That would not have looked very good. But I can tell you this. It's going to be exactly like Kobe Bryant. If Accenture and if Gatorade try and get back in the fold with Tiger later on, I think Tiger and Mark Steinberg, his agent, are going to say thanks, but no thanks. Much like Kobe Bryant. The Johnny-come-latelys who wanted to come back into the fold after they dropped Kobe, then when Kobe scored 82 points and he won an NBA championship and they said, Kobe, we want to do business with you again, Kobe said no thanks. I think it's going to be the same thing with Tiger Woods. The other question that I was interested to hear asked, and our good friend Christina Brennan at USA Today, the columnist who's been on our show many times, she asked the question about Tiger's relationship with Dr. Anthony Galea, who was accused of smuggling HGH across the U.S.-Canada border. It's also been linked to A-Rod. A-Rod has been questioned about his relationship with Dr. Galea. When Tiger was asked about that relationship, here's what he had to say. He did come to my house. He, he never gave me HGH or, or any PEDS. I've never taken that my entire life. I've never taken any illegal drug ever. Now, as we've talked in the past, Tiger has gone on the record on several controversial issues since November. Number one, he's now told us that he has never used any illegal drug. He's also told us there was no domestic violence the evening of Thanksgiving when his ordeal unfolded. These are two things that if they turn out to be false, Tiger Woods' credibility is shot. These will be two things that investigative reporters continue to dig and dig and dig at. I don't think we've heard the end of Tiger's relationship with Dr. Anthony Galea. His agent, Mark Steinberg, has been contacted by the feds, and I would guess that much like A-Rod was interviewed by the feds, Tiger Woods at some point will be interviewed by the feds about his relationship with Dr. Anthony Galea. But it was interesting to hear his soundbite in the press conference. Again, I thought Tiger did a good job with the press conference. I thought he wasn't aloof as he's been in past years. He seemed to be contrite. He apologized several times. And I think it was a very good step in rebuilding his image. But, again, if we find out that he's lying to us, the wheels come off the train. His credibility is shot, and his brand is going to take an enormous hit. Since this ordeal broke, players 
have been very, very careful about what they say about Tiger Woods. And as we told you before, before Tiger came to the tour, prize money on the tour, $66 million. With Tiger on the tour, $275 million in prize money. The players aren't dumb. They know they need Tiger out there on the course competing if that prize money is going to remain at 275 and not slip back down towards 66. But someone came out this week and called it as it is. Took Tiger to task for his actions, and it was Augusta National Chairman Billy Payne. Here's what Billy Payne had to say at his press conference this week before play began on Thursday. It is not simply the degree of his conduct that is so egregious here. It is the fact that he disappointed all of us, and more importantly, our kids and our grandkids. Our hero did not live up to the expectations of the role model we sought for our children. Is there a way forward? I hope yes. I think yes. But certainly his future will never again be measured only by his performance against par, but measured by the sincerity of his efforts to change. Finally, finally we have someone who is not a Tiger enabler. And it's someone in a position of power. We can criticize the Masters all we want for putting Tiger in the bubble and the cocoon that he's come back to. But the head of Augusta National, that's what he had to say. And it's what everyone has wanted to say, but many people were afraid to say it. And the future of Tiger is not going to be measured just on the golf course. It's also going to be focused off the golf course as well. And that's why... We heard Tiger, the Nike golf ad that broke this week. Earl Woods, here's his voice. We are being fed now contrite Tiger, the voice of Earl Woods in the Tiger Nike spot this week. Tiger, I am more prone to be inquisitive, to promote discussion. I want to find out what your thinking was. I want to find out what your feelings are. And did you learn anything? Contrite Tiger. That's what we're going to see in the future. We were fed a packaged Tiger before. Contrite Tiger is what we're going to be fed in the future. Coming up next, our final segment, we're going to tell you the most valuable franchises in Major League Baseball. And someone who may not even be drafted in the first round. Signs a big endorsement deal with Nike as far as the NFL goes. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, 
visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back. NFL draft prospect Tim Tebow has signed a shoe and apparel deal with Nike. This according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. The deal is going to pay Tebow just under $300,000 a year. It's going to include incentives that could make the deal worth significantly more. This is interesting because many people argue about where's Tebow going to go in the draft. Is he going to go in the first round? Is he going to go in the fifth round? You don't know. But the one thing that we know for sure is that Tim Tebow is the most recognizable player coming out in this year's draft. Basically, Nike's hedging their bet here. And if he does go in the first round, I think $300,000 is a bargain for them. And it's expected that Tebow may sign other deals, including a deal with Gatorade in the not-too-distant future. The Forbes franchise values for Major League Baseball teams were released this week. We'll discuss these in future shows. But let me give you the top five. No surprise, the New York Yankees valued at $1.6 billion. That's up 7% from last year. The Red Sox come in at number two, $870 million. The Mets, number three, at $858 million. The Dodgers at $727 million. Keep that in mind because they may be sold if the McCourts can't work out their divorce. And the Cubs, who were recently sold, come in at five, $726 million. Then it drops a lot. Number six is the Phillies down at $537 million. So really, those top five, the Yankees, Red Sox, Mets, Dodgers, and Cubs, the iconic franchises, the most valuable franchises in Major League Baseball, according to Forbes magazine. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Our staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Brian Griggs. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. You can find us on iTunes. Go to the podcast section, type in Sports Business Radio. You can subscribe to our podcast and have us download a Dear iPod every week automatically. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. I'm Brian Berger. Have a tremendous week. Enjoy the Masters. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Sports Business Radio.